2: Hello, 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 everybody. This is Adam Murciano. I play Declan Walters on Cascadia.
1: My name is Antonio Cordero. I directed, uh, co-produced, and wrote, and co-wrote as Cascadia. Yes,
2: and this episode's a little different than all the other episodes. Um, This is going to be more of a sit down and get to know us and how we made this show. It's going to be a behind-the-scenes look. Everything from writing to casting to recording to re-recording to marketing and releasing. And... Just the whole process. We're going to be talking. It's a wild ride. Buckle Buckle up. up. (laughs) (laughs) And get ready to dive into this because we're going to be discussing a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was holding back my dive references. (laughs) Don't say anything.
2: So, okay. So do you remember how this all started, Antonio? Do you remember when I came to you with this idea... And how this all begun. Because I do.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, so my recollection is that um, you came to me in the midst of a pandemic. Wanting (laughs) to do something. Wait, wait, hold on. Was this just before the pandemic? Or was it right at the beginning? I think it was right at the beginning of the pandemic, right?
2: I don't know when. No, it would have been in the middle of the pandemic. Because I had other ideas at the beginning of the pandemic for other shows. So it would have been in the middle of this Actually, it would have been near, like, the end of 2020.
1: Yeah, I remember we were, like... I had just finished uh, releasing or finishing uh, another project. And then this kind of... You kind of came to me with this. And I remember we didn't exactly sit down and write the the rest of the episodes together. I remember we did this almost exclusively remotely until we started recording in studio.
2: Yes, which we'll get to all of that. That was a whole mess. But... I guess basically, I'll tell you from my end, and then how I approached you with it. Yeah. Um, I ha- okay. So 2020 hit; it was like the worst year for a lot of actors because you know you couldn't work. You yeah, couldn't do you know, like you can't
1: wear a mask when you're you're acting on screen and for exactly. most projects. And so yeah.
2: I was stuck at home, and I had no idea what to do with myself. I was so bored. I'm so creatively frustrated that I was like, you know, I, I've 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 always wanted to actually write a fictional podcast series. I've known about this genre of podcasting for maybe six seven years now but I was always too nervous to do it or I never really knew how it would work and and I was like okay you know what I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna just jump into it and and do it but I've never really written anything before I've never really done anything like this before of my own so um I was just like spending a lot of the quarantine like writing a bunch of different pilot episodes for things like I came up with different Mm -hmm. concepts and different ideas and Cascadia was one of the pilots that i wrote and it was not even i didn't even write it it started off with a concept it was the one yes. scene of declan and i had an, a vision of this underwater deep sea diving guy with an alien yep. and the mm-hmm. reason yep. yeah and you the, sent me
1: an image i remember now it, yeah i remember the picture you sent me i was like whoa
2: exactly i it, i actually saw the image on instagram it was an insta. i followed this deep sea account with like it was like a graphics account and i saw this one image of this deep sea guy who who was just standing there underwater with an alien and the and the only caption on it said alone and that was actually the original title of our show for the longest time alone it was called alone and i and i was so inspired by that photo that i was like i want to create something that was very like one man show because it was only me i was stuck alone and i had nothing else you know i didn't have other actors yeah and i was like okay well i can like edit and distort my voice to be an alien Mm -hmm. so i could play the alien and i could play the deep sea guy character and i just didn't know I quickly realized that that wasn't, there was no plot to that. There was, it was hard to just kind of <laughs> Well, it was a the story. I remember,
1: because I remember you came to me and you told me about your, you and your friend Hannah having this talk at yes. a party and you had maybe, I think maybe you had a, a part of this developed at the time and you talked to her about it and then you guys kind of riffed about it being like an underwater exploration of some kind and like there was subs involved and, and the creature was big and all this and yeah. then we, we, we had like a crew of some sort but... I remember the parts about Badger Maria and all that happened as we were, we were basically writing those first initial three episodes. It was like just yes. the focus of this strange creature in this deep ocean area. We didn't know where. We had no idea. And then, yeah. And then the story basically started to reveal ourselves once we focused in on the characters like Aaliyah and Declan. and Right.
2: Yeah. It it, it it was, it was so crazy how it like, I say the show wrote itself, but yeah, basically what exactly what you said, like a few days later I ran into you and we were talking about, you know, the idea. And I said, would you be interested in directing this? And you said, yes, you're yeah. Like, yeah, like you were writing your own thing. And I, you're like, yeah, sure. Like I'd be down. But I don't think you were thinking maybe I was fully serious. I've never done anything. I didn't before. know
1: the scale of like <laughs> where this would go. At that point, <laughs> yeah. for sure. I was like an audio drama. I've never done one of those. Um, yeah. I was mostly into like doing film and, and directing on set stuff. And I was like, okay, hey, I would love this challenge. Like yeah. it'd be interesting to do something where, I could only communicate through one medium, which is sound. Yes. Um, And with the technology that was coming out with, you know, binaural elements and, and like what you can do with sound really what is what sold me. I was like, right. and then I obviously heard some. I heard some other other audio dramas and I was like, this is a whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> it felt really fresh.
2: Yeah. I sent you a bunch of shows that I was listening to and I said, hey, just check these out. This is the vibe I wanted. and And you're like, let's do this. Let's do this. And so... Yeah, we started we started writing, and I remember just writing and writing and writing a bajillion drafts. It was like I remember you were there like was lots of drafts, yeah. up until
1: the recording, basically, because <laughs> we had some rewrites, and the story just kept ta- speaking to us. I really felt totally. that with this project, I was like these characters are telling me what to do next here, and like right up until the finale, like uh-huh. we. We let the characters tell us. And I feel like that has been a blessing uh, and also a little challenging because it so it's like things are moving so quick. And I was like, okay, we got to make sure the continuity is matching with this and like exactly. piecing it all together. I mean,
2: I don't yes. know if you remember, but originally, so the, the the whole show was actually supposed to be like an anthology. We were supposed to have mm-hmm. different, right. completely different episodes of different shows. And we actually wrote the first two episodes as one episode and that was going to be the whole show. But then yeah. it just didn't feel finished. It wasn't finished. It wasn't done. And it, it felt like there was so much more depth to it, to the characters, to this, to that. And we could actually build a whole show around it. And I told you, yeah. I said, Hey, like, why don't we just scrap the whole anthology idea and let's just run with this and make this a full developed show. And you said, of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It really became a thing in itself. And, that, and, and I remember thinking that in the moment was like, well, this is going to, yeah, this is gonna be a huge project. I love. Yeah, I, I was excited.
2: I mean, it, it passed the time for quarantine for sure. We were just working on it every <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, we're busy. we were busy. <laughs> and then I'll never forget. I was I was walking home one day, and this would would have been like in the spring of 2021. And I, it, the mm-hmm. whole Maria and Badger con. So at this point, we already had the first two episodes done. We had maybe the first bit of episode three done, um yeah. with the whole like perspective of the crew when the submarine attacks
1: that was drafted in the yeah
2: yeah and we were just in the middle of writing it and i was just like well we we didn't really know where it was gonna go we we had no idea we were like uh, like it can go anywhere i guess you know we knew that there was going to be some kind of alien life because like i said that was the original concepts of the whole Mm -hmm. show that whole scene um yeah so we knew there
1: had to be more like drama and like the human element of it and like there needed to be something that not only the audience that can relate to but like uh, a force bigger than just what was there what they were going to And I will never
2: forget exactly where I was. I was walking home and it hit me. The Maria and Badger storyline, the whole plot twist there. I was like, this was right in front of us the entire time. And I'll never forget, Antonio, I called you. I'm like, do you have a moment to speak? You're like, yeah, what's up? And I called you and I'll Mm -hmm. never forget sitting on the the, the park bench. And I was just telling you the whole, like that whole breakdown of it. And you were like adding on to it. And we were both having this like euphoric moment. Yeah. Yeah, And we were freaking out. And then everything kind of wrote itself after that. We were just kind of off to the races for the last three episodes and it was so much fun we really were just having the best time coming up with this idea and the fun part of it was that it was sci-fi and we can go anywhere and do whatever and we can kind of just you know things might not make sense fully but it was like it was yeah. sci-fi so you know it's like yeah on this we were ride. fun truthfully yeah, yeah exactly. exactly how did you come up with because we were we named it alone for the longest time and again yeah. it was based on like Declan being alone both You know, in his captain journey and feeling alone against the crew and literally being alone at the bottom of the ocean. That's that's that was the whole title of the show. But Antonio, you came to me one day and you were like, why don't we just name it Cascadia? How did you come up with that name? Like, Um, I I don't think I've ever actually really asked you this. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, no, Cascadia came from just the the destination. We were we were non nondescript with where this dive was gonna take place, just in the Pacific somewhere. And then the idea of going deeper than what was already already existing lowest depths, which is like the Mariana's trench in real life, it's like something has to happen where A new Earth is revealed in some way, and the Cascadia subduction zone was proximal to where we were. Um, I know the physics of it didn't exactly mean opening when things happened, but the name Cascadia came from the Cascadia subduction zone, and that's where they were, and that's where this whole drama unfolds.
2: Did you do any research? When you were writing for this, because I know I did a little bit. I mean, I did yep. a, I did some stuff, but for me, at least for me, I didn't want it to be super technical heavy with no, the submarine. No, definitely
1: not. Yeah, I it needed the balance. Yeah, wanted,
2: I wanted some stuff, of course, but I didn't mm-hmm. want it to be so like technical that people just tune out and not know. Because the average person doesn't know the technicalities of right. a submarine. You I don't know? know
1: what a double liner is. I just yeah. came up with, with a double right. like a, something that would you know like a, right. like, a like a like um. Like an airbag system is what of I was course. thinking. Like, you know, when you get in a crash, you have an airbag. So maybe this sub has some sort of like pressurized airbag. Right. So when the, the hull starts to crack and there's pressure that would basically... D- you know compromise anything else Of course, this special sub has something to protect it and maybe that's the the little stilts that the whole crew have been standing on since totally. because the sub was supposed to fail basically when they got down there but yeah. it didn't for some reason so maybe this double safety net layer has been what's kept them intact the whole totally. time totally
2: and this is a sci-fi show and this was taking place in a little bit in the future so you know things could be different and this Alexandria submarine was custom made so we, we were able to get yeah. away with certain things like that because right?
1: suspend belief yeah you know, exactly let reality catch up because it yeah. does take place in the future Right.
2: Exactly. Yeah. But you did some research because you were looking up Cascadia. Yep. And yeah.
1: The that's when I that's when I really started to like think about any sort of technical stuff, was when I was like, Okay, let's let's look deeper into <laughs> no pun intended, course. into sub technology, into where people have been and like where we could go because I wanted to now put the geography to the whole expedition, the whole mm-hmm. Odyssey. Um and yeah, obviously that's where I came up with the Cascadia title um and other parts of the the sub like we talked about.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, thank God for you because I, I'm not really good with all that technical stuff and even just, like, researching deep Neither am I. Though, I did but. my
1: best, but I was like, for the people that are going to be bothered by the smallest thing that's incorrect, I was like, obviously we suspend belief for stories, but I didn't want to sound silly. Like, no, no, it had to be correct. stuff and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I definitely like, wanted I, to I researched be, the earthquake for sure.
2: Of course, yeah, and I wanted to be, like, factually correct with certain things, but I thought, yeah, like, right. certain, like – Technical stuff about like submarines, uh, like because it's such a customized submarine, we can like get away with it. Do you remember writing the finale, the season one finale?
1: I remember rewriting it <laughs> in studio because that was the that was because I okay yeah I do um I do I do I do I I think it was right on the heels of episode four because they tie in together really or at least when we wrote the first draft episode four they tied in together and. I remember we went over the logistics of it and we're like, okay, there's a lot of things that have to happen for them to kill this colossal squid that's from an alien planet. So how do we coordinate this without the visual and without getting everyone confused? And I think going through the plan the way we did was the best way because when everything's happening, you have to remember the plan because you're just hearing cues like, okay, got him captured. And like Mm. to see that, it's like... I like that we we had that speech from Ozo and mm-hmm. him telling us the tools and having that kind of preemptive thing before the plan, before it, the execution of plan. So it's like a three-stage yeah. finale. And I remember
2: <laughs> it was very, like, we were just sitting there kind of like, it was technically very difficult because, again, like you said, how right. are we going to tell this and, like, show this kind of action sequence mm-hmm. without, because we don't have the visual medium. So we had to figure out a way to, like, yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, we need to simplify this as much as possible, because if it gets too technical, people yeah. are going to get confused and they're going to tune Lost out. Lost in and, the words, for sure. You know, we just boom, boom, boom. And three-step plan, like you yeah. said. And so that's kind of what we did. And I mean, I hope yeah. we did a good job with that. But the last And three different
1: contexts, too. So, like, they're yeah. all in different places for the parts of the plan, too.
2: Exactly. And so it was... We want to hammer that in and really just kind of have a... Sequ- like, edit it as a sequence, kind of... Thing, but I remember we, yeah. we wrote alternate endings because so we weren't sure yes. even up until the week of the releasing the finale. We were yep. like, I called you, said, So, how are we gonna end the show? <laughs> what do we
1: do? Yeah, which one do we go? But that was possible, that was possible because of audio, truthfully. Yeah, we could do that in yeah. film. That's like a whole setup and like yeah. this is the best part of audio is like you can really explore the story in ways you, can, you can't you can really with film totally
2: and we were like does yeah. do they all die in the end or does he get saved because we recorded a version where he actually mm-hmm. also gives him the harpoon and he actually punches puncture the harpoon and he gets sent back to the sub and there was yeah, going to be maybe the and maybe we're going to do some kind of like news report sequence where they reported that they all made it to shore yep. and stuff but, and,
1: Walt and Badger were going to get arrested at like the landing because it was a plan right. was that Conrad had not told them yet. Right? right. And the reason why we ended up, well, at least partly the part of the reason we ended up going with the ending we did is because we advanced that to the FBI busting them at the Institute and Conrad releasing the story because we had that conversation with Holden and right. the voicemail to Lila.
2: Right. For, for So that was that was kind of that was going to be the original ending but it didn't feel right it didn't feel yeah, like yeah. that and and if we end up going with a season two this will all kind of mix into one i'm not giving anything away yeah. but if we don't end up going with season two this is also an ending
1: too and beautiful ending if you ask me yeah yeah
2: whether if they surround or not that's totally up to you mm-hmm. you know if it's just a one season... i think
1: a lot of people would default to okay declan dies with also because right. the bomb went off and they didn't get away right Uh, And the crew hopefully made it to shore. Right. But we don't even know that. That's not even even for certain. What if the bomb went off into a horizontal trajectory and cut them out too, you know? Yeah. It's an alien bomb. We have no idea. We have no
2: idea. Do you know how many fucking text messages I got saying, how dare (laughs) you end the show like this? And I'm like, sorry. So many people were like, are you kidding me? Like, that's it? Like, I need to know what happened. And I'm like... (sighs) (laughs) <sighs> <laughs> if we do season two, it'll all make sense. I promise. Um, yes. Yes. Which I really want to do, but um, it's yeah. gotta
1: be right. It's gotta be, the story's gotta go in the right direction. And yeah. we, I think we, we've we teed it up for the potential of season two. Like the story is there. If we want, if we d- decide to dive back in to Cascadia season two, which if you ask me, I would love to
2: do it. Yes. Leave us like a little that. comment. If you want a season two, <laughs> and we'll see.
1: People have asked me about it as well. Yeah. And I have, I have not responded fully and truthfully about it <laughs> yeah. because I wanted this, this season one to finish. <laughs> and of course, like, okay, let season one finish. Yeah. let's see where we're at. Let's see what the audience wants, and we'll take it from there. And
2: we'll take it from there. Yeah, I've been getting so many people asking me about it, and I'm just like, I literally just finished ed- editing the last episode. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> yeah, I just shaved my beard. Um, even the Holden and Declan scene—I remember, like, in the last episode, the Holden and Declan scene about the, them having yeah. the heart-to-heart—that was written. Yep. In 10 minutes. I remember we wrote that so yeah. quickly. I I remember the, there was the something The day before
1: we went in for the last the last recording. Yep.
2: And I remember there was something when we originally wrote the script it wasn't in there and yep. I was like there's something missing in this yeah. episode. There's something there's yeah. there's a loose end here. Hold and it
1: hold it needed to be tied up for sure. Hold
2: needed to be tied up and again holden. the whole badger being the father like stepfather I guess or taking yep. him in. That was all right in front of us the whole time and we didn't even realize it until we we at the end we were like oh my god you know another aha moment you guys
1: nailed the scene too i remember we did like three takes i was like i i we got it well
2: lee (laughs) who is so talented literally is you know the star of that scene and i you know i was my jaw was on the floor the whole time i was like this is beautiful you know he's so talented so yeah i mean that was i remember writing that and i was just like that is that was so that was so cool that we just kind of had this like moment where we just it just came out, and I think it fits so perfectly in the episode, and I'm so happy that it hit us when it did because I would have been really sad if it we realized this like afterwards. <laughs> but
1: yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it it buttoned up the good the good side of the story, the heart, totally. sacrifice, and the, the connection that Holden kind of came around to realizing. You know, I I really like that for his character because he was logically apprehensive toward maybe a little bit over the top yes <laughs> maybe a little bit too much yeah. but he was logically apprehensive to Declan in the first place for a good reason and then you yeah. know Declan ultimately proved himself to yeah. him you know, with the, the, the sacrifice I mean Holden's
2: anger like it makes sense you know he you know Badger was like a father to him and he chooses Declan to be the captain when right. Holden's I'm been right here, bro. Yeah. you know like I've been I've been working my ass off my whole life and you know yeah. it just. It's like it's all these the things that we didn't even think about subconsciously when writing the show, and then it just hit us nope. at the end, which was really cool, and I just... Yeah, I feel like that was really fun. Do you do you know any other... Do you have any other uh, character development stuff that you want to mention in the whole like whole thing?
1: Truthfully, I was thinking about this the other day, and the one character we totally overlooked was Iris. I know. She doesn't have any sort of personal... And, but you could argue that for Aaliyah, because um, the only thing that really happens to her is she starts to you know, captain this up and like mm-hmm. she takes like, a, like a commanding lead. And, and in the beginning, you could say she was a little bit, um not naive, but kind of tagged, tagged along with Declan and whatever he said, right. like she lies to the crew with him, withholds the vital information of right. the depth they're at uh for him. So there's obviously something there. Like she's the only one that respects him when this whole thing starts.
2: Right. And, and, and actually that, yeah. that whole storyline ties up too. is a scene that we recorded with Aaliyah, Um, in the last episode that we actually didn't include Um, we're saving it for the supercut episode which is going to be an episode Mm -hmm. that's coming soon about a month or so where you can actually listen to all the episodes in one setting um, one big episode essentially and we're going to include this bonus episode or this bonus scene sorry um, where it's more of like a leah's tie-up to the whole show and i think it's i think the fans and people who listen to the show are really gonna find it special it's a cute scene (laughs)
1: So I guess the only character we we didn't have like a, a, a such an expansive storyline for was Iris. Um, right. And truthfully, she was the kind of mom of the ship, right? She was the mama yep. bear of all of them, the most experienced diver there. Um, and she has her moment in the sun when she basically saves them from total destruction yeah. of the mother Ethelite by releasing the baby Ethelite. I personally love that scene, by the way. And the whole <laughs> sound design for that with the, the sub rotating was perfectly done by our post-production team i gotta say (laughs) shout out to them aka adam
2: thank you thank you it was hard work but you know (laughs) iris she you know i think she like you said she was like the mother of the sub and she's gone through so many dives that she's already kind of a developed character in herself Mm -hmm. you know but she does have this kind of like power struggle of like being in the middle. Like when everyone's like, we need right. to ascend and she's like, okay, fine. Like Aliyah I'll listen to you. We'll we'll give him one more shot kind of thing, you know, but then also agreeing with Holden and then, you know, there's times where she's like, mm-hmm. Declan, it's okay. Like we gotta get to the surface. Like she's kind of you're right, like the mother of the whole she's ship and caught she's in caught in the middle of middle. Everybody she's the totally time. a Libra. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um <laughs> so I guess that was that was that. And you know, the whole like obviously Declan's development changed a lot. We wanted we our goal with this was we wanted to start Declan as You know, everyone hating him and being absolutely erratic and out of his mind
1: the most flawed character of all yeah. we, the protagonist, the guy that was captain of the ship like and it kind of left you up to the viewer to decide who do you like the most like who do you think the story exactly because we didn't really say who the main was right we had Declan as a captain but that doesn't usually mean exactly anything, right
2: and I wanted everyone to hate my character I I, I I, usually the protagonist like everyone you know is rooting for them and yeah. cheering for them and loving them they're, they're the main character whatever but I wanted the main character quote-unquote I feel like it's more of an ensemble show but like yeah. the main quote-unquote character to be the one that everyone hated but then at the and yeah even you you know (laughs) you're like
1: i'm playing the worst character
2: i hated him i'm like because, like I said, we were writing the show as we were, rec- we were recording it. And I was like, why did I cast myself as the worst fucking character? I hate this character. His decisions yeah. suck. Like, I wish I was Holden or something, you know? But, like, in the end, we wanted to turn it to where people yeah, actually felt for totally. Declan and actually yeah. wanted him to succeed. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. He was manipulated. And I think that was a really fun character development yeah. to play and to write. And I to- love watching
1: that story blossom. and. You know, spoiler alert, if you haven't heard, um he may or may not have a tragic end, but it was it was the right way for him, you know. He did have the victory in the end.
2: So let's talk a little bit about the casting process. Right. I I remember um well, first of all, I'm so happy with how our actors turned out and how everything yeah. ended up going, but um Lee is actually one of my good friends in real life and he has such a good voice, eh? such a deep... He is Holden. He is, yeah, Holden. He is Holden. And yeah. as I was writing the show, and not not in a bad way, though, Lee is the most funniest, sweetest guy. So, yes. you know, he's... Yeah. He's he's, he's but not he, a douche like that. Yeah. No, but he has the wit. And that's what I wanted with the Holden wit. And I think that that's mm-hmm. what I... You know, when I was writing, I was like, this is perfect. And I, and Lee's one of my best friends in real life. And so I knew I wanted to cast him in this project. But, you know, as I was writing, I was like, oh, he's totally Holden. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was already kind of there for him. And... Um, and then Sam, Sam Leanna Cole, she plays she plays Iris. I, I knew her from a few years before, just from the acting scene and just, you know, auditions and this and that. And so, but we were in an acting class together um, and I saw her perform every week in the class. And I was like, and I was in the middle of writing this with you. And I was like, wait, mm-hmm. she is so good. She's so talented that I was like, I feel like she would be a perfect iris and yeah. so i approached her I, I was so nervous to ask her because i'm not that close with her you know but we you know right. we were friends but through the industry and stuff and so i was through like
1: class too, yeah, yeah
2: through classes but i was like would you be interested in you know voicing a character on my little this little podcast that we're doing you know like i it, mm-hmm. even the concept of explaining it like people don't really understand what a fictional podcast so, is so I, it, I was i was kind of nervous yeah. to ask her and like i i was like what if she doesn't understand it but right away she was so sweet she's like absolutely i'm so down like Tell me when we'll, you know, she, I remember at the early stages, she got a mic for us. Yep, we'll get into I that after that. the demos, Yes, the but demos. she was so on board and she was so excited. And yeah. I, and that was like the funnest and the best thing ever. And, mm-hmm. um, then the person who plays Aaliyah, um, was actually an, an, another actress originally. She yeah. was one of my good friends, is one of my good friends, and she was going to voice the role of Aaliyah, but the problem was that she was in is in Ontario, yeah. and me and Antonio and the rest of the cast we're in Vancouver, which yep. is across the country.
1: Yeah,
2: and so I had to recast the Aaliyah voice. Um, we auditioned a few actresses, and they were all great, but when I heard Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca Kwan, who who plays Aaliyah, she yes. she just knocked it out of the park, and she was so good in her taping. And I I was like, I, I would love for you to voice her, and and she was like, I'm I'm on board. So yeah, she aced
1: it. I remember that one.
2: Yeah, we just got everybody in in all at once, and uh, it was good. And then for the Maria role, do you remember what what we had to do for for that? Or
1: yes, yeah. Uh, for Maria, I remember we obviously were trying to get everyone in studio together because the chemistry was just so much better, and we yeah. we were worried that we had recorded three episodes of maria by this point and remotely given that ducklin and maria are talking remotely the entire time in in the episodes so far um and it still worked i remember it still worked and i was like do we because now she's going to start talking with badger and and you know more person-to-person contact do we recast her with someone local or do we try to make it work and
2: right and there, there it was phone conversation so it kind of worked it that it work was so far so it's like we got rem- that we were two different places yeah that's
1: right and then by this point i think we were like already in studio and you know realizing the scope of the work and the timing and, and the scheduling and and and, and, a, and a whole bunch of other things also she nailed it like she was maria so well so it was like oh, it was hard was to think so of anyone good. else do we audition people for a possible maria i don't remember so if we did
2: yeah so we were at this point we were already like going to the recording studio we weren't recording Mm -hmm. remotely anymore and i remember like thinking okay well we might like we cast badger who was local we cast conrad who was local and i remember just thinking like okay well i guess maria because she's gonna be interacting with these actors we should probably cast her local we had already Mm -hmm. casted a nico who plays maria and we were auditioning other actresses and they were all so talented and so good we loved their tapings but it just, they, it wasn't the same. And I don't know. I always it, just
1: thought about the other Maria.
2: Yeah, it, it was literally <laughs> we just kept night. on going back and we were like, we need to, we'll just have to, you know, record her in studio when we go to Toronto or something because, and it, you know, yeah, that, and that's, that's ultimately what worked out. Yeah. And that's what we ended up ultimately doing was, you know, mm-hmm. I would, I went back to Toronto and I actually recorded some scenes with her in a studio in Toronto. So yeah. we had to, we had to just kind of improvise. But yeah, I mean, sh- that was kind of the whole casting process with that and you know, all the other like other roles, like uh, the reporters, some more minor roles. Um, yeah, they, those were all recorded remotely from people all around the world. We had people in China record and in Brazil, mm-hmm. and you know, reporters in different places, which was really cool. And so they sent in their their recording tapes, and we we used it on the show. Yeah, so. which
1: we are. I'm so thankful that people took the time to do that for us. And I know, I, and they nailed it. All of them, up. fantastic work on all of that because it just gave the show so much more depth. Totally. Uh-huh, personal shout out to my friend, Steve. Um, he, he, uh, he aced his, uh, I loved it. And everyone else obviously in there too. Yeah. Um, but
2: yeah, all the reporters were, were just amazing. And we and, and they were so accommodating. Like I, some, there were some times where I would need a like last minute recording quick, you know, and mm-hmm. they would just, people would just. On a flip of a dime, send in their their recordings, yeah. and I was like, "This is so cool that people can record and be a part of the show from anywhere in the world." Yeah. The reason why we wanted to cast locally was yeah. because we wanted to have that chemistry in person, which mm-hmm. I guess we should talk about now, which is like the whole demo and recording yeah, process. Yeah, let's get into it. So, do you remember the like how we did this? I mean, we recorded yeah. on Zoom, right?
1: Yeah, the first two episodes we did fully on Zoom and um, we did each character individually but just because of scheduling of all this. I think we did a couple of table reads all together, but nothing like fully recording because we wanted clear mics and all these other elements of scheduling happened as well. Um, we were all in lockdown, but people were still like had lives. Like we weren't paying anyone to do any of this. So yeah. it's like we just had to work on whatever timing they had. Totally. And then we could focus on getting a lot more done in a session than versus everyone.
2: Well, I feel like that's where we came into a lot of trouble was because we didn't record like a typical podcast would Mm -hmm. on Zoom where all the actors were together. We had to record everyone individually, like you just said. And it was half... I mean, mostly it was mostly me. I mean, we could have figured it out. We could have figured out the scheduling. But I was like, no, I think we should record each actor individually and get the best performance and best line off every actor, which is nuts that I thought I could do that but and i think you even suggested you're like well, can we maybe record all together and i was like we could we could but i think you know i was scared of a lag on the internet like on the, on the zoom yes if something lagged and then if people got cut out i was scared of that and it would and re- also
1: like we wanted to make sure like the mics were sounding the same yeah. and quality and, controlling it And i remember that was part i remember of the we would sit
2: there with each actor for hours an episode we'd sit there for hours and we would just like they would redo the lines they would redo the lines and it was fun like we were happy with it when they were doing great and you know it was a good time but, it, but
1: what did i say what did i say about the editing what you were doing said the-
2: good luck on editing this because this is going to take a, a long time because like i said we were recording each actor's lines individually a <laughs> yeah. million times to get so the best go performance again, go, again. go again okay go again. Mm-hmm. Let's do it again and that was kind of what we were doing and then um we did the first two episodes like that and then what happened was I would go into the Batcave and <laughs> start editing <laughs> yes. and I would have about like three hours of footage from each actor yeah. and I would have to, and this is, this is what I would do. I would sit there and I would listen to Aaliyah's line, all like 10 takes of one line and be like, okay, that's the mm-hmm. best performance. And then I would cut that and then I would take the same thing with holden's lines listen to all 10 takes yeah. or whatever pick the best take from one line all of them and then start piecing them together okay but yeah. the problem with that was that we were recording remotely so everybody had different backgrounds like ambiances different energies, different energies. Like the flow
1: of the tone was just all like you could you could tell you could tell like even, even i showed my wife she was like i can tell that they were not in the same room yeah i could tell just by listening to their their dialogue, dialogue. You know, it's yeah, cut together. because we
2: weren't, and we weren't feeding off of each other's energies, and we were in yeah. different spaces, and it was just it. I, and I was, I worked so hard on the demos, and I think yeah. I have no regrets on that because it really taught me. It was a practice run for not only us with the directing and the acting and mm-hmm. right. recording, but also with my editing. I learned the program so well with that. You know, I got to like get mm, my hands true. wet with that and and really practice. And so, anyway, so. I ended up creating the first two episodes of the show through demos with you. I edited it all together. Yeah. And then I remember we were like, okay, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. And we you know we yeah, were kind was of in this weird limbo and we were listening to it so many times that we kind of, I think got numb to it. We were like, Oh, it's passable. It's good. Whatever. But what mm-hmm. changed everything was when I sent it to my friend Ashley, who is completely removed from this. She, yeah. you know, she's not in the produ- I mean, she actually had a little role on the show, but she was not yes, really like did, in like, the editing or the, you know, the right. She was just a yeah. third party in this whole thing. And I sent it to her, I said, give me your honest opinion. And she said, she said, you know, Adam, it's great. You know, the acting's good, the story's good, but I could just tell. That you are all not in the same room, and that it's mm-hmm. there's something off, and she was right. Yeah,
1: it's just like this undertone that was there, yeah. I could feel it too, and I was listening to it. I was like, but and I, but because I knew the reason was that we all record remotely. I was like, but there's no way around that. We can't get in the same space together, like right. We were in we, COVID. It's COVID times, like right. we literally couldn't. Or oh, half our cast is across the country, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, not half our cast, but one of our cast members yeah. was across the country. You know,
2: yeah. And so – but what she said bothered me. It bothered me. Not that not yeah. that she was honest. I was happy that she was honest. I, I asked her, you know, it was good. but it bothered me that if she thought that, then that means everybody will think that, that they, 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 yep. they, they can tell. And so I remember – I'll never forget this. I, it, I was, like, not sleeping that night. I was just, like, really bothered by it. And I was like, okay, what can I do to fix this? And I sent it to yeah. so many mixing people and editing people. And everyone was like – this is not really fixable because like <laughs> everyone had different backgrounds are different. and mics were different. Yeah. Like you just can't, you there's, there's only so much you can do yeah, and you're in a different room. It's hard. Exactly. And so I kind of just woke up one morning and I was like, fuck this. We're going to go to the recording studio. I've worked yeah. way too hard with Antonio on this show. I don't want this to sound cheap or bad. And it, it wasn't necessarily bad sounding. It just sounded like, you know, when you hear like a demo of a song that's not fully made, that's like yes. what it sounded like. It,
1: missed, it was missing layers it was missing, like layers. it was missing
2: layers. It was missing yeah. just, yeah. So so I, I'll never forget this. I don't know if you remember this, but I called you. I do
1: remember this very vividly. <laughs> I was
2: so scared to call Antonio. You guys, you have no idea. Because me, and don't forget at this point, now, now, it's, now it's May. We've been working on this since January. And I called you, I FaceTimed you, and I said, can we talk? And you're like, yeah, what's up? And you're like, Whew. I'm like. Would you, would you, would you mind if we we scrapped everything? And you are like Adam. What do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, I want to go to the recording studio and do this professionally. And I thought you were gonna be like, you know what, I am over this. I am done. You know, no,
1: I was, but you were like, like, thank God. You were like, ago. thank
2: God. Let's do this. And I was like, yeah, boom. And again, at this point in May, April, May, I guess that's when it was. I guess. Things were starting to open Something up again, and we were able to go to the studio. Yes, we had to do a COVID
1: plan. I, I, yeah. I remember we had to write that up, and, and there was still protocols in place, and like we were safe about everything. But it was just enough, enough window where we were able to do it in a week. We did the whole thing in six days, yeah. right, in the studio.
2: Yeah, we recorded an episode, basically an episode a day, which was...
1: Yeah. yeah, which in hindsight, I think uh, was exhausting <laughs> for everybody. I remember eating lunch on one of the days with a, with a lot of emotional stuff happening in, in episodes. And we did two and three together because we had the overlap of perspective from yep. Declan and in the sub. So that, I remember that day was a very emotionally time. I was like, even though it's possible to do it and like we did it, next project, definitely breaking it up. Totally it's, break like, it up. better idea.
2: And I just, I mean, kudos to our actors who like kept up with the emotional chaos of the show the show is very chaotic and it's like go 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 there's always something happening and recording it we were you know like i said we recorded it in a full day an episode basically and so like there was just a lot of going a lot of energy going on and those Mm -hmm. actors kept up they're skilled talented actors i'm telling you i was yeah very impressed by it and It was a lot and you know, there was a big gap in between actually recording the whole season because of just scheduling and I think one of our actors Mm -hmm. had to go back to Toronto to film something and you know, we had to we had to take a little bit of a a a moment there. But it worked out because we had to finish off writing the show anyway. Thank you to the
1: demos, I gotta say. Thank you to the demos. We learned a lot in that process, even though it was like Work that was someone undone. We ended up keeping the Maria stuff. That was yeah. all from the demo. Her dialogue in the first two episodes. Yeah. Two or three episodes. Three episodes, I think she was all a de- demo dialogue.
2: Yeah, I think the first cause... two. And then we recorded the crying scene at the end of episode three in the studio. Right. That's um, right. Yeah. But yeah, she, because it was just so good and she was just, mm-hmm. it was so natural and so. Um, she just did an amazing performance um on that which We was, were
1: really lucky to get the actors we did, yeah. I have to say. They really yeah. were a big portion to the success of the show.
2: And I you know, and then when also like when I decided to go to the studio with you, I mm-hmm. had to break the news to our original Leah because I was yeah. you know, we she she lives in Toronto and I was I was you know very sad about that. And so but when I told her, she totally understood and she was so supportive. And another mm-hmm. problem with the demos that we were having was the cave scene in episode 2. Yes. The yeah, Aaliyah, exactly. yeah. The original Leah, yeah, the original Leah, we kept on recording the scene where she was scream and because we were recording <laughs> remotely, these actors had like blue yeti microphones. So it wasn't yep. like the highest quality you know studio mics that could handle right. screams and so mm-hmm. we kept on having problems with the peaking and we'd try to fix things we try to edit it and there was always an issue with the cave scene it was just a disaster cave <laughs> I mean, scene. yeah i remember the cave oh scene. my <laughs> god it was a mess the timing and like, all it, timing, the energy timing because we yeah we were recording everyone separately so we weren't yeah. having that quick in between like Chemistry that ever that we have now with that scene, but at, yeah. at the time it was like piecing every line together. It was very hard, and yeah, um, the original Leah, who the actress who played her, she did an amazing job. But it was the screams mm-hmm. that would never that would peak, and it would it would sound terrible, and it, you know it was just it was so hard to fix. And yeah, when I told her that we had to you know recast because we were going to the studio, she of course was sad because she was so happy to be a part of this project, but she was so excited for us and she's been so supportive of the yeah. project and we
1: wouldn't have a leo yeah. without her she she showed us that character in a way where when rebecca came in and took it like over like she she set her up very nicely we knew and understood that character arc very well by then and
2: yeah the way that the studio was set up which i really liked it wasn't like we were all in our own individual booths we were all in one room yeah and we were able to record off of each mm-hmm. other and you, Antonio, were in the control room and there was no. some studios, I don't know if you, you know, some studios have like a window and you can see the the singer or the actor or whatever. But this studio didn't. Yeah. And you were able not. to like no. really just and that focus. Was,
1: uh, I didn't know how I was going to feel about that when we first went in there because I was so used to um seeing actors perform and watching like micro expressions and the eyes. Yeah, totally film oriented. It, it was a blessing because then I was way, I was able to focus way more on the audio aspect of everything. And, yeah just listening to like breathing rhythms and just what's happening out of the mic that I'm listening to. Do you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah I'm, listening, yeah, I'm listening to lots more of the dialogue there and I'm hearing it in like perfect speakers. So it gave me a sense more of like the final product versus um watching you guys. So, but I also, I like the the proximity to the room too was right there. So when something was feeling stuck or I wanted to shake things up, I just did the old fashioned way of coming in there with a camera and filming you guys yes. you guys on camera. Like a lot of you guys are used to as video actors, right? Uh, or as film actors. Film actors yeah. I should say um, it kind of changed the energy and it, it was a, I used it sparingly because I wanted it for moments where not necessarily there was like a bad take happening or, you know, I wanted something different. I wanted something just... I wanted to shake up the environment a little bit because when you're in the same space doing the same thing, it kind of all starts to bleed together sometimes. But when you can get in there and change it up with that presence, um, I felt like it helped a lot. And I think we used some of those tips. Yeah, I mean, I
2: feel like it really helped us. Like sometimes, not that things were stale or like not working, but when you came in with the camera, it literally just like the spark turned on sometimes. I remember Samantha said
1: that. She's like, wow, a camera gets in here and the whole thing changes. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just like something about it just like... I guess because we're so used to being on camera mm-hmm. as actors that we just we were able to just maybe maybe brought out the better performance in us i don't i don't know yeah. but those takes we usually ended well, up because I, I
1: remember thinking in the moment that like when you're on set there's a lot of like visual elements that help you perform the set the costumes the other actors and we had the actors and we but we didn't have the set a lot of that had to be imagined i remember even the cave scene i I remember uh, directing you guys to like close your eyes for a good portion of that and really try to imagine those lights and, w- and what you're seeing because I can't show you it. Like I don't have like a digital screen to put in there. It would be cool to have like a studio with like digital walls where you can like create the space and like you're yes. still Yeah, like you're still in oh the space. Um yeah. Uh, like you're in the space but you're still in like a sound controlled environment um <gasps> next project <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> yeah, right yeah. It, it helps a lot because <laughs> you're 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 trying to be the character in the moment Ooh. and if you're relying heavily on the imagination for that sometimes i just had to add a different element of environment mm-hmm. to just get you guys in in a, in a different space physically because like you can do the imagining but sometimes it you, you just need the environment so coming in with the camera um, trying different positioning sitting standing obviously all helped in doing that, and then yeah, working with eyes and eye contact, or no eye contact, or even I remember for one of the one of the things um, of recording that we did. For we did some blocking with Badger in the FBI scene. I remember you we were recording with him, and we had. I think it was you playing the FBI guy at the time because we hadn't recorded the FBI <laughs> yeah. intro yet. Uh, so you came into the room and like gave him that energy and Conrad that energy of like a presence of people rushing the room. Um, I remember the door was closed for the audio sake of it, but we had that blocking out there. So it was just another element to working in the Yeah, studio. I
2: mean, I feel like it was really good to... Um just have that kind of stuff. I mean, I remember there's times where I would be sitting instead of standing to record. I remember I'd be like physically moving. There'd be times where the sub would actually be shaking in like in the edit. So we would have to actually shake our bodies mm. like this, yes. even though we were just standing in one place to give that illusion. So when we edit it, it sounds real. There was like little technical things like that that we had to do, which was really cool. I remember even one time when we were doing the cave scene with the little tentacles popping up in episode two, we actually put down our phones yeah. and we... Um, well, we put the phone, like a little screen iPad, in the middle of all of us. All th- we were, we were, we would record in a circle, right. and we'd had, we had an iPad in the middle, and we went on like YouTube, and we found this like CGI video yes, of this like yes. tentacle octopus yeah. alien creature. And we played that, and we just like, uh, and we just like looked at it as we were. Actually, no, sorry, it was the scene where we were studying the octopus creature in episode two when we had it in the sub submarine, um, the Ethel Eye. Now that we know what it is, Um, and we uh, we would react off of it moving. I remember that, and we would all look at this little iPad video of it. Like I moving think it was and a CGI, stuff, and we yeah. were all like it was reacting to it, and that was yeah. really cool, and that really helped us a lot. Yeah,
1: it was the whole point of us going in the studio in the first place. It's like we needed to create a space and like have actors perform in this dialogue and this story in a space and. The fact that it was a sub in itself helped a lot because, you know, it wasn't already an enclosed space. It wasn't like we were doing these big, uh, glorious vista scenes and trying to imagine being outside. I probably would have done it outside if that was the case. Yeah. A lot of it was in the sub. So Exactly.
2: And, and I think another thing that I really liked about the whole recording process was that, you know, you were so good with this. With us, you would always let us, we would always do like a take or two scripted, and you'd always tell us to then have some fun and do some improv. And that was really important for us because we got to explore and have fun with it. And like, always, yeah. you know, we, we discovered sure. so many things while improv and ad libbing. And, mm-hmm. ad-libbing. and I, I think that was like one of the biggest.
1: For sure. I knew you guys had the talent to take it somewhere that I could not. So, and I always trust my trust the actors that I'm working with to do that kind of stuff and I want to give them a, the mobility to perform and become a character. And sometimes like as much as the words right. are the words and we, we want to get the words for not only continuity but like just to make sure we have the story, but mm-hmm. if if an actor is coming prepared and has this character developed, they're going to show me a part of them that I've never seen and I want right. to see it well we can always if it doesn't work we cut it you know totally on either side of the line on the written side or the improv side you know and sometimes putting those two together make it such a unique thing
2: yeah and you gave us that freedom and that was what i think brought out a lot of it and we created a safe space where people we, we could have fun and we could explore and um you know it was it was really fun to do that and like you said sometimes it didn't work and sometimes it did and then you know the times it didn't work we just laughed at the bloopers of it, and um, and then sometimes we got some really, really, like, brilliant performances from it, you know, and, and it led to other things and other ideas, which was, which was really cool.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
2: So let's talk about the editing portion of the show. I edited some of all it. of
1: the show. What do you mean? By <laughs> a lot of the show. You edited the entire. Okay,
2: but you helped too in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because of you, like I was so mm-hmm. organized. You would have a list of takes of the ones that we liked, and you'd circle the yep. ones that were circle good. Circle the like best take... ones. Do my right. my
1: note taking and like and truthfully what a scripty would do on the day for me. I would be like, yeah, I like that one. Circle that one, or we'll use this part of this one, and they take track all that but it was actually nicer to be in the moment writing it myself and just yeah. remembering okay I I know what this take was when I'm looking back at it and how it will paste together and giving you all those notes on the editing room. Yeah,
2: you gave me all those notes and so like how it would work would be like okay scene 1 Antonio liked take 3, 4 and 8 and he would circle the 8th one or whatever it was the best take. And and that's kind of what I would I would work off of and thank god for that cuz it really helped me organ- be organized when I came to edit it when it came to editing, you know. And almost every single take that I used Antonio was the exact same one that you circled or that you liked
1: <laughs> yes we were really in sync and i've never worked with someone where, like literally as i'm typing a message they are typing the same <laughs> one back to me uh <laughs> we had no discrepancies on like any choices everything was no. for the purpose of the story and performance of the characters in it and we just we we linked so well with it i was really inspired by. we that.
2: really did and you know sometimes though i would be a little crazy and say the most absurd idea for the story no, and, but that's and, you a you know. part
1: of the creation though no but that was part of the creation <laughs> process and I, I always i always like that you did that that you had this expansive mind and you went off on tangents and like you had these parts of like the story that i never really thought of and it gave it the deep layer even if it never made it to like recording it gave the layer of the character for sure
2: well i just figured you know maybe we can go like to the most extreme and then sometimes pull back and meet in the middle or maybe sometimes it doesn't work at all but it it was fun to just kind of like bounce ideas off with you and just have like the craziest like I don't know just like fun times just like discussing of where we can go it's sci-fi you know we can go anywhere we can do anything and you know with audio dramas you can really do anything there's there's you know you don't yeah. need a bajillion dollar camera crew and you know build this huge elaborate set it's yeah. all audio so you can go anywhere and that's what the fun part, part of the editing was for me you know I was able to just create and create and create and design any room or any experience or spaceship or underwater or submarine or headquarter I could do anything yeah. and it was the best experience ever i basically what happened for me was i i like i guess you know i can get into the story of the editing was for me it was very much like i just gotten back Uh home from toronto and i decided to go right into town in the editing and i just like locked myself away i just literally didn't speak to anybody for like uh, two months and i just worked 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 the how it would go would be like i would wake up and i would you know edit the show from probably like 9 in the morning to about 10 p.m. at night, sometimes Uh longer. And I would do that every single day. And a typical day would consist of about two scenes. If the scene is very long and very dramatic and there's a lot going on, maybe one scene a day. But the reason why I did that was important for me because I wanted to um, take my time with it. I didn't want to just slap you know a few takes in and then call a day. I wanted it to be very detailed. I wanted to have the little nuances in it that you – enjoy when you're listening to an audio drama, you know, I wanted that, like, experience and that perfection, the perfect, the problem with the perfectionist is that, you know, time and perfection were, like, working against each other a lot of the time, like, I didn't have time to finish certain things, or I wish I had more time to do this or that, but, you know, I I I had to let things go and be okay with certain things, and that's where you would come in, you'd be like, okay, this is good, or, like, we can, we can move on from this, or, you know, you ca- we, we called it virgin ears. You would listen to the, the, the scene that I would send you and you'd be like, okay, you know, with virgin ears. And you'd be like, I spot this or I spot that because I had been working on the scene all day. And so little things like yeah. that, certain things I wouldn't notice right. where right. you, and you
1: need would. That, you, need those, you need that third perspective because once you're too close to the work, it's hard to see it for what it is. From like, a, yeah, like you said, virgin ears or a neutral perspective. Um, and I, I was happy that I wasn't in the editing room for that very reason. It's Cause like, if I was there with you, basically over the shoulder editing with you, like it would have tainted my p- perspective as well. Cause I'm watching you cut it together, but because that we were doing this all remotely again, uh, it kind of helped out that we were able to hear it this way.
2: I just remember like, you know, it, it was the hardest part about the whole editing process was finding the certain, the right performance takes because right. what would, what would happen is I would get, you know, in a scene, I'd get like maybe four or five takes and each actor like I would, I would listen to this. I would listen to all the takes and then compare to your notes, Antonio, and be like, okay, he liked it, take five or whatever. And if I, I most of the time, like I said, I always agreed with you, right. so I would use that as like the main take. But then there'd be sometimes like maybe one actor muffled or another line from another take was better performed from the actor, so I would I would go in and start cutting each piece of every. Um, like different takes not too much because again i want to flow and and have it more natural like that's the reason why we went to the studio in the first place but um i wanted every actor to shine and have their best performance and if i could make it better i i did that you know and so that was very tedious for me because i had to like Make for sure, sure no, that everyone editing, sounded sure. their best.
1: Yeah. No, and we do that in film all the time too. We we all use a cut from a different side and uh you know, the back of someone's head on this one because it was a better take and just for reactions or whatever,
2: it's edited. So that yeah. was hard. And then mm-hmm. once that was done, once I built that, the the, the Room, vocal yeah. performance, the rest kinda of was a little easier. I started building the ambience, which is like, you know, the wherever they were at, either underwater or in the sub or at headquarters or whatever. And then right. uh on top of that I would build the sound effects, which were, you know, footsteps or, you know, a door opening or whatever. Um, and that was... You know what's so funny? Um, the hardest sound effect to yeah. find was footsteps. There was never just a basic footstep walking from left <laughs> to right ear. It was very much, like, one-dimensional or, like, yeah. in snow or in mud or whatever. It was the yeah. hardest, like, thing to find. Break. I had to, like, manually make it from, like, left to right in, yeah. in like, the editing. Um, so that was, like, the hardest believe it or not, sound effect to find. I could find any sci-fi thing if I wanted to, but a footstep was was very difficult for me to, to find.
1: Hey, you're a perfectionist. It, it takes as long as it's got to take.
2: <laughs> uh, I know, but it was so annoying. <laughs> I'm
1: like that too, though. It's all yeah. good. I totally sympathize with it. I remember plenty of times we going over the same footage, same thing. Mm-hmm. I like, And I, I sympathize with the whole process. That's why I went, I, I, I vividly remember the demos and I was like, oh my God, i <laughs> in for a un- nightmare that
2: take oh take 30 oh no oh no i know in the studio we did like five or six takes max for a scene so
1: yes and yeah and we nailed it because for all the elements that we've been talking about the the presence was everything and yeah i know that the editing process can be tough
2: yeah it was it was it was tedious the vocal the vocal cuts but you know that was again i was very particular and i wanted it to be i wanted each actor to have their moment and their and the best the best moment of the scene i, I didn't want mm-hmm. anyone to i didn't want to just be lazy and slap together it's good enough it, it, that's not what i wanted yeah. i wanted it to be very um took my time like a film so once all that was completed you know i now have this whole scene i have the vocal performance i have the ambiance and i have the sound effects that were in place and again timing is everything you know so sometimes like maybe the actor didn't have a specific dramatic beat and i wanted it i was able to cut that in, in <laughs> editing and like make that dramatic beat which, which was really cool and fun yeah. for me to do um and sound effects were placed at specific times so once i have this whole scene built yeah. then it was time to add the music and we had some the most yeah. beautiful musicians that we got to work with lee Rosevere, daniel birch kai Engel, and kiosk those were our four main musicians we used other people too but those were our main oh, guys God, and
1: some yeah. of the best songs like so suitable for this for the scene it was incredible the timing was so perfect a lot of the times i remember hearing that too i was like, did you edit this part or like is this like <laughs> just done like this like the crescendo was perfect yeah i mean it, it's like it got scored for the actual scene because usually <laughs> you do the scene you record it and then the, the the composers come in and they compose for this what's on the picture or on the recording right. and like, this is like reverse but it worked
2: <laughs> yeah i mean i mean sometimes i would have to cut some songs in in yeah, to different sure. parts and stuff to, to to make it match but you know most of the time it just lined up perfectly but truthfully, I think the hardest part of the entire editing process was the perfectionist in me, because it would bother me if something wasn't like, f- like fixable or wasn't right or whatever. I I couldn't just move on from that. It was it was hard for me to like be okay with sure. it, and I had to like yeah. learn to like by episode five. I got to the point where I'm like, okay, this is good enough. I don't have time. I need to move on to bigger things in this in this episode. You know, I couldn't be worrying about the little nuances here and there anymore you know and i mean i made sure Mm -hmm. it was done well but i couldn't be obsessing over like i did with episode one scene one you know my first project so i think naturally never yeah it's never gonna be perfect and I, I think that that's just kind of like what what comes it's with art, man. You know, got it. It's art.
1: Well, it, you got to get to the best that it can be. I feel like you, the the perfectionist in you and in me are are there for a reason. We don't want any sloppy mistakes or you know easy fixes. Right. And I'm glad that you took the time that you did and watching that in the editing room, and I was grateful for that. And I felt really guilty that a lot of the time editing wise because I knew how much of the workload was on you in the time frames that we had to get it done. So, but I'm grateful that you got it done. <laughs> Need this. To
2: say <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean, I just really wanted to take this challenge on. I was yeah. in quarantine. I said, why not learn how to mm-hmm. edit and do a show like this is the perfect time. So don't feel guilty. I really just this is what I wanted to do. And, it, and like I said, it passed the quarantine like no tomorrow. Yeah. Me too. Okay, so let's move on to the next section of the show, which is the sure. marketing and the release yeah. The whole plan of that, um, we would go on back and forth for months. Antonio and I, and asking so many people. I even put a poll in the summer. I people probably had no idea what the context was. Like, I think I put like my the poll was like, would you rather binge your podcasts or have them out weekly? Um, but we it was the the whole conversation was binge or weekly release and we kept on asking everybody and we were not sure what the hell to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I was on team binge in the beginning. I really was. I was on team binge because it's just nice to binge. It's nice to be immersed and just get the next episode, get the next episode, get the next episode until the end. And then you know how it ends and then you can move on with your life. And I felt like also we had the discussion about like how we're going to promote this and get this word out and we felt like this all once marketing strategy was for the best and a slow burn might peter out and by episode three or four if people were not mm-hmm. interested. Which is fair and probably true. I don't know what well, would have happened the other way. But in the end, honestly, I'm glad it went this way. It gave someone something to look forward to people like, you know, would listen to it on their commute. They knew Wednesday morning or Wednesday or, or Thursday morning, whatever, they, wherever they were, they were going to get an episode to listen to. And it was new and it only came out now and everyone was listening to it at the same time. So no one could spoil it. If anyone was listening later, I remember that was a big discussion with our descriptions too. He's like, we don't want to give too much of the story away. Cause you never know when someone's listening to it, but yeah. ultimately I am glad that we ended up doing the weekly releases the way we did. Um, Just for this story particularly. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think we wrote it in terms of a weekly release. Like, that was kind of, like, how we – we had cliffhangers and stuff. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I think, you know, at the end, we we really – I'm happy we did a weekly release too because, you know, we live in a TikTok world where, uh, (laughs) you know – Things come and go so fast and you are just constantly bombarded with content and content and content. And if you put everything all out at once, Mm -hmm. we could have been forgotten about within a week, you know, it's all there and then there's nothing else to promote. It's, it's just, it's, it's ready there. Yeah. You
1: wouldn't even, you wouldn't even bother subscribing. Because you just listen to the, all of them and then peace out, you know. Yeah. But and not to like an not in having an audience that follow follows a show is is good for lots of reasons too. It's this like you said, this span of time that you're invested in the story. And I've actually seen a lot of streaming services now go back to that same old model of we release it on a certain day at a certain time of the week. Um, And it kind of creates like that ritual of listening to this story together. And I I like that personally as like, yeah, on Wednesdays at this time, I'm listening to Cascadia or I'm watching Gemstones or something, you know, another show. And I know that it comes out at this time.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to release it. It's just like, I guess, a style of doing it. But, you know, what's really cool now is that, you know, even though we did the weekly release, people can still now binge the show. They can binge it then. People that, yeah, are going to exactly, find our yeah. show in a month or two. They'll get two, to binge eventually. You know, and they'll be able to binge it. It's the best that's of both right. worlds.
1: I think I think that's like well said. It's the best of both worlds to do the weekly releases for that very reason.
2: But ultimately, you know, the reason why we ended up going with the weekly release was actually no cho- we had no choice. Um, a situation happened where we had to get the show out. On a certain day, on, like we had to release it on a certain day or else it was not going to happen. Um, I can't get into details about it, but it was a now or never situation. And, you know, it was very frustrating because we had this whole plan, like Antonio said, of a release. And, you know, we were going to do visuals and all these things. But, you know, unfortunately, the, the situation we found ourselves in left us no choice. Luckily, we had three episodes already edited. So we weren't too stressed but it was still stressful I mean I didn't want to have myself editing every week and feeling that pressure of getting it out every single week I wanted it all to be done and then enjoy the release process but I had to get you know it was loosely edited <laughs> like the first draft so I, I still had to the like edit every single week yeah. in hindsight that did help because I I it literally, just shut off my phone and my mm-hmm. life, and I just sat down and I just edited every single day, like I explained earlier. Yes, and it was fine. But
1: yeah, that's basically when you locked yourself in the back cave.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at the end of the day, it's fine. Yeah. Um, we were gearing uh-huh. up to release the show. Nobody had known about it except for our close friends and family, so there was not pressure from like people mm-hmm. wanting the show.
0: None. It was just None. more
2: so that there was a competitor kind of show that had a similar yep. storyline, and we were like, okay, we need to get it out because it'll it'll look bad if we come out after them so anyway we ended up just kind of scrambling and and, and getting the trailer ready and then we just dropped it yep. and then
1: I remember that, yeah.
2: um a day after we dropped the trailer my or a day before we dropped the trailer my grandpa passed away yeah and i was like like obviously so distraught and sad about it and I wasn't sure if we should push the show or just maybe like wait until six or seven months and release the show then I wasn't I wasn't really sure what to do but you know we had all these people working on the show with us and my grandpa is like a showman like he was in show business and I knew that he would have wanted the show out and um, I just dedicated the whole show to him basically and so that was kind of stressful and so we we put out the show and You know, I was literally going to the funeral the day of the the release, and it was very, like, a lot, but... At the end of the day, like I think that we everything happens for a reason and because we had no choice but to put out the show, it forced me to like really hunker down and get it done. You know I was
1: ready to take over editing for you because I was like, if you need the time, like do it please, don't hesitate, like it's family first, you know. Yeah. And I, I understand where, where the position is. I'll I'll do my best <laughs> to get at least part of it done. But you're like you you made it happen. You made mm. it happen under all the yeah. circumstances of the past month. Um COVID, all this other stuff in the background, you just push through with, I'm editing, baby. Yeah, basically.
2: <laughs> I up. was like, fight or flight yeah. let's go you know it was very important to me this whole we, we worked on the show for a year I wasn't gonna you know let an, yeah. a competitor show you know take that spotlight when we were working sure. so hard on it and so anyway so in the end I ended up just going to town and literally like I said turning everything off and just focusing for like two months I, I right. like didn't go out I didn't leave mm-hmm. my house and it was just that, and so you know and I, again the other thing is like you know when you're editing and you're so in the thick of all this, this mm-hmm. whole thing you don't know what how it's going to be perceived or if people are even going to listen or like it. I remember I was doing the final touches on episode four and I had been working till like 5 a.m. on the show and I was so tired. I just, you know, finally was done the episode. And I uploaded it, released it, and I went right to bed. And, you know, the next morning you wake up. Well, I wake, I wake up, I always check the downloads and say, see how, you know, how we're doing, how, how the episode's doing, whatever. And I saw that so many people, like our downloads exploded and I was like, okay, that's weird. And I, I didn't know where it was coming from. Like like our hosting page doesn't tell us. It just tells you like your download statistics yeah. and stuff. So I'm like, okay, that's really weird. But I didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, mm, maybe – I I don't know. I wasn't really thinking much about it. And then right. I, 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 a few hours later, like I, it hit me that we were getting this like crazy amount of downloads per episode. And every time I refreshed the page, we were getting like – like, hundreds and hundreds of downloads, yeah. and I'm like, what is going on here? And I couldn't figure it out. There was no way to f- figure it out, and so I went, on, I went on Apple, I went on Spotify, and there was nothing going on, so I was like, what the hell? And then I checked my Instagram, like, request messages and saw this, like, account, <laughs> random account DM me saying, hey, just so you know, like, Spotify has featured you guys on their homepage as Best New Fiction. And I was like, "What?" And I went on Spotify and I couldn't see it, but it was because yeah. we were featured on the U.S. Yeah, Spotify. So every like each each country has a different Spotify, and so that's the where app it was is different coming up
1: here. From. Yeah, they feature different things that are more relevant to the area you're in. So it's like, yeah that was wild um I knew the show at this point I knew the show was doing fairly well um but I had no inclination of where the show would go even from the beginning so to see that I was still I'm still kind of thinking like did that actually happen (laughs) really like top fiction podcast like we were in the the first front page of that that was insane out of all the genres beyond sci-fi like there's a lot of fiction podcasts happening right now and for us to get there on just the merit of our fandom alone and social and people talking about the show and actually listening to it it's just like couldn't have asked for a better feature
2: but it was really cool and i feel like it felt like you know i'm not a singer but like if i was a singer what it would feel like to have your song on the radio for the first time i feel like that's what that feeling was we were like freaking out and it was you know all my friends were freaking out and it was so cool to have that it was like a full circle moment for for us because i feel like like i said we worked so hard on it and now to be recognized by spotify it was like it was the best feeling ever
1: yeah, I still I still have no idea the final number, and I like that personally for myself <laughs> that I don't know how many people have listened. Yes, um, it helps me in recording this interview right now. Yeah, and Tony and doesn't want to know. That. He doesn't want to
2: know. <laughs>
1: and how many people might be listening to this? Yeah, stage
2: <laughs> yeah. fright. You're behind the camera. Another part of our marketing plan was to have like some kind of visual element to all of this, to the release, and to you know build yeah, up. Yeah,
1: there was a few discussions on what we should do with that photo yeah. shoots, trailers. Um, possibly even, um, an animated aspect to the whole supercut yep. and. We ran out of time. <laughs> out like of I time. said, we
2: were put in that position where we had no choice yeah. but to release it, That's and right. so you know, in the end, it worked out because I think we had people... the title
1: card, we had that poster. All yeah, that yeah, done. we
2: did. We had it over a year, but yeah. I think in the end, it worked out because people got to use their yeah. imagination, and and it, we didn't really taint them with what we actually look like. They they got to imagine what Declan yeah. and Iris and exactly. Holden looked like. You know, but what we did do was like we did do weekly little yeah. visuals. So we had like right. different like pr- like video promos. Yeah. If you if if you don't follow us on Instagram, you can go on 911 Podcasts, um, and you can see visuals we had for each week that kind of related yeah, to the show, exactly. and that's that's kind of something that we did, and also photos and mm-hmm. stuff.
1: I ended up going to uh, a museum uh, during uh, the third episode release, and I was mm-hmm. like a submarine. Yes, <laughs> I yes, took some video for for a reel to overlay with yeah. part of uh, the episode, a POV reel, which I, I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It took a lot of time, but I did. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Do you have any like fun memories of recording or the entire process? Like, what's what are some good memories that stick out to you? Your best memory? Personally,
1: um, I really, I really found working with uh Kevin Ademski fun, the guy that plays Ozo. Um, yes, because I remember ca- we, t- we totally missed this in the cat about casting, and maybe we can relay this when we were casting Ozo, Like, I, I, I. Instinctively knew Kevin was the guy. Like mm-hmm. I, c- I could. We did not hold auditions for Ozo. Nope. there was no. I felt like I was like Adam. Please, this is the guy for Ozo. His voice is uncannily perfect for the translator and the persona mm-hmm. of Ozo. Mm-hmm. Uh And he knocked it out of the park. He in my totally
2: opinion. did. He was so fun to so, work with. He I, is so talented.
1: Yes. And I think if if uh, of all the memories of the recording mm-hmm. and the writing and everything, um. The best memories have been working with you, man. Honestly, Aww. I don't mean to say that in the cheesiest <laughs> way, but I've I've worked with maybe not so great collaborators in the past, and you were certainly in the better books of, of all the collaborators I've worked Aww. with before, and um, it was special because I, I like that we... We connect on a lot of things just brain synergy-wise, writing-wise, even in performances, even though you were hating a lot of the stuff <laughs> that you were doing for yourself, like I do for myself, self de- self-deprecating self yeah. to the end. Um, we were able to get through a lot of stuff we were... uh, pretty much unscathed, you know, um, and I think that that's an important thing to be grateful
2: for. Yeah, and not to be corny, same thing with you, you know, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better first person to do a project with than you, you know, you really took the reins and showed me how it went and how it goes. And obviously audio is our, for, like we're new, to, we're both new to audio, but like we, mm-hmm. we learned together and we, we, we did it. We try to be did a, a good team player
1: at the end of the day. It's, it's, a, it's a team effort and um, I have a part to play. So do you. Mm-hmm. And so does everybody involved and it's all vital parts because without someone it's missing, totally. you know what I mean? Um, But I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it and I want to do so many more.
2: I <laughs> well, It's so fun. We have so much coming up. I am so excited to jump in 2020 with you. 2022 with you. Uh, I think one of my favorite memories of the whole process was probably on day one of recording. We had just finished recording. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, I we just finished episode one. Yeah. It was our first day of recording, and we I come home and I'm so tired because like I we said earlier we you know a whole day of recording. It's a lot of energy. We're you know screaming and freaking out, and this is happening and this attack and that and the, it's crazy. It's it's hectic and you know a lot of energy drained. Um, so I come home and like I said earlier when I, I was trying to say like when I'm when I'm in my recording process I'm trying to be the re, in the recording process. I'm not trying to focus on acting or editing or anything like that. I just want to. Mm-hmm. W- if I was in the writing process, I just want to focus on the writing process. So I my my rule was that i didn't want to edit while we were recording i wanted to just focus on the recording and the acting and but when i got home that night from the first day of recording i was so excited to just listen to i want to hear some of the takes we just had gone to the professional recording studio we had been working on this for six months i was just so excited (sighs) so i pop in my hard drive into the computer and i'll never forget this it was empty empty and i was like and it was like 9 p.m at night i call antonio frantic and like erratic (laughs) crazy behavior i'm like Antonio the recordings aren't there and like you were just like um I um they're probably there you know that the, probably, the yeah. recording guy, Andrew probably has it and you know you were trying to keep calm but I could tell you were a little nervous right, and right. um you know it, it, we didn't we It was our first day. So we didn't know our sound engineer, Andrew, that well. And so... um, I was
1: pretty confident he had saved it. But I was like, what if he doesn't? (laughs) Yeah, there was this little inkling of like, what if he didn't? And he wasn't responding because he was asleep. So I was like, we're just going to have to find out. Exactly. (laughs) And so...
2: We, um, I had told some of the actors. I was like, "Oh my god, we might have to re-record episode one." I, 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 maybe, like, I don't know. Maybe he deleted it from his computer to save space on his computer. Like, why would he save all these takes? Like, I don't know. So the next day, like Antonio and I, you know, Antonio picks me up and we go to the studio, and the actors are there before us, and they're sitting on the couch. I'll never forget it. I walk in, and they all look at me, and they're like, "Adam." <laughs> we're sorry, the recordings weren't saved. And I just saw right through them, and I was like, you guys are fucking lying! And they were, they were, they were lying, thank God. We, he had saved them on, on the computer.
1: I remember that heart attack moment, for sure.
2: Okay, so we put a little Q&A out uh, today on our Instagram stories, asking if anyone had any questions of the production of the show, and we got some answers. So we're going to dive right in. Yeah. Um, our first question is, how long does it take to record an episode? And that's from Teddy. We kind of answered that already.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'll just rehash it for him. Um, Basically shot, uh, recorded, I say shot because film, we recorded an episode a day. Um, it was pretty much the stasis of what mm-hmm. we, the time we had to work with. Like the like, schedule didn't allow it for this project to work more than less or less than that. So we were doing like, yeah, roughly 20 pages a day, which is, gross amount of, <laughs> of of just performance level in general. Um, yeah. but because we had such amazing actors we were able to pull it off.
2: I mean, you know, we we really just like would rehearse a lot before the studio and just like practice the night before and whenever and they come in and, and, yeah. and had time to play and rehearse and then we would record and sometimes we actually had extra extra time in the day. Sometimes we got through it mm-hmm. really fast. So break for lunch early yeah, or something ex- like that. Exactly. Just to, like, recoup ourselves. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes sometimes it was it was it was not as bad as uh, yeah. grueling as we, we keep saying it was it was very chill okay so the next question is you guys make it look so easy is it easy do you ever feel stressed and how do you deal with it and that's from marcus that's you (laughs) that's you for sure um well i mean i guess like i don't know i mean i felt the pressure near the after the spotify push because i was like oh fuck now people are actually listening and like we (laughs) like i was editing every week for an episode so like i felt that pressure but i didn't really let it get to me it was more so just like hitting the deadlines like I, I want to make sure that the episode was out every week right. and I wasn't like a day late or whatever that was kind of like the only pressure but as far as like lic- listeners or people's like perspective on things I didn't really l- tune into that I was so busy working on the show I you know as it, I would upload an episode and the next day I would just get right back to work on the next episode so I wasn't even taking in what people were saying which was I think the best way that I could have done that. How about you?
1: I've <laughs> just been your cheerleader. I was like, I have my my channeling of the pressure has just been to root Adam on as much as I can and support him because oh, he is God. literally has all the all the edit in his hands.
2: <laughs> okay, so this next question comes from Jesse, and it, he says, "Did you guys all record your parts separately or together?" I guess we kind of answered mm-hmm. this already as well. See
1: Maria was the most separated of them all. All the dive the dive team stuff was generally together. Um if Adam wasn't in the scene, he was in the engineer room with me, um, and vice versa. People are just listening in.
2: Okay, so the next question comes from Rebecca and she asks, Have you written season two yet? Antonio, you don't even know this yet, but I have drafted I... the first episode of season two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this guy uh, I was gonna say we have an idea how to start it. <laughs> That's yeah. literally what I was going to say. Like, we have an idea how to start it.
2: Nope, the episode's are already drafted.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm excited. Then that means uh, we have started the process. I'm excited.
2: I, I want you to listen Here's to it. Um, I I, or I want you to read it, and I want you to obviously we're gonna we're gonna. It's very loose. It's very loosely written. But we have. I've
1: been revving to go. I'm really excited to do it. Um, but to Cascadia season two coming soon uh, to a podcast near you
2: allegedly allegedly no promises <laughs> well let's we go we want to write it and see if where it goes like i mean i don't want to say where it's a hundred percent yet and i think the way that we ended season one it's it's good because it could if we don't end up doing a season two then it's a it's a great ending and yeah. if, if we do end up going to season two then we set ourselves mm-hmm. up for a season two which is which is really cool so um i i have a lot of ideas yeah. and i think we're definitely going to run with it but we have to write and yep. see where it goes and if, if it's even good you know stay so. tuned Anyways, next question is from Matt, and he asks, did the voice actors know how the story would go, or were they surprised? A
1: lot of the actors chose not to... To read on past certain episodes i remember lee specifically was like i don't want to know how it ends Mm -hmm. Uh, he he knew the first two because he was in the demos hold on Um, but he read three and that's where he decided he's like i'm not going to read on past this because i'm really feeling the character and because we recorded this whole thing linearly in timeline whereas in film if you don't know sometimes they record different parts of the movie at different times based on locations and settings um uh with recording and audio you can just do it in the time that the story happens in that same timeline and a lot of the characters got polished out that yep. way so i think he really buckled down with that mentality and was like i'm just gonna experience it with holden and, wa- and watch it unfold mm-hmm. day by day
2: and it was so cool because it, it really did unfold yeah. and they really did bring have that it organically happen as they were them. going and they were shocked when they were reading things they were like wait what this is happening so it was really cool to to see that happen okay so the next question comes from jake and he asks how does it feel now that it's over what do you feel
1: It's satisfying, um, but I'm trying not to get caught up in that satisfaction. I'm still, like, now ready for season two um, to start writing that and for the next show that we do together and, like, just... Doing more of this because it's just been such a positive experience and I just want to channel like that feeling into making more you know and hopefully going better and you know brighter direction here on out
2: you know I feel like when you binge a tv show and you watch a full season season or series and then it's over and you're like what do I do with myself yeah I feel the same way but on the other end I'm like what do I do with myself the show's over I've been spending all this time editing and now I'm like i have nothing to do like i'm like so that's yeah. it's a weird feeling like, like that, but <laughs> yeah like a withdrawal like i don't know so um yeah. but I'm, I'm happy and i'm excited to just take a moment to process it all because it happened so fast and now i'm like gonna just take a moment and just breathe and you know enjoy the the people's reactions and stuff okay the next question comes from zayna and she says were you nervous to put it out I guess meaning releasing the show.
1: Um, I was personally proud of it, so not so much. Um, I knew it was going to be received fairly, fairly well. Not to toot my our own horn here about it. I, <laughs> I knew that the timing of it, like we discussed, was a little bit the only kind of curveball in the whole yeah. thing. It's like, okay, did we give it enough time to be where it's at? Like, like we were saying, is it good enough? Like, did we reach that that point? Um. But in the end, I was okay. I was okay with whatever happened. I knew we put our we poured our heart and soul into mm-hmm. it, and we did the best that we could. Um, so whatever the outcome, we are either going to learn from it or be thankful for it. Either way. I,
2: I was shitting bricks. I was <laughs> I was so nervous. Yeah. It was like, you know, this is my, like I said, my first project yeah. ever. So it was so nerve-wracking to put something that we were holding on to for over a year and like working on and working on in secret. Like nobody knew about this. And then just have it out into the world. You know what was ours for so long is now everybody's, and it's like it was scary. And you know it is what it is. But then when the situation happened that we had no choice but to put it out, where there was another show that was very similar to ours, we I I didn't even think. I was like, all right, fight or flight again. You know we got to put it out now. So I I didn't even have time to think about it. And then every week after that, I just have to work, work, work on the show to get it out. So the show goes on (laughs) by time. You know, and then once I started to see that it was getting good reviews and stuff, I was I was like, okay, I'm i'm okay i'm, not, I'm not so scared anymore. Yeah. all right and the next question comes from chris what was the most daunting aspect of starting a fictional podcast
1: um in this particular project it was just for the most daunting thing was just adapting to the medium for me at least was like okay i have to remember i can't show this visually so and how how to not be so over explanatory in dialogue and ride ride that line of like how do i paint a picture without painting the picture, you know, with Mm. only sound and people talking and blocking and energy, right? And a lot of it, for me at least, came in trust in that the audience will do a lot of that work for themselves. And if I just give them the framework or we give them the framework of a good story, good characters, and good setting, they'll be able to fill those parts in and make it their own like you were saying earlier totally i didn't want to spoon feed them the setting or the dialogue or the story it
2: it was important that we believed and we trusted that the audience was smart enough to fill in the blanks like you said you know and we relied a lot on sound effects and you know different things like that where it's like okay we don't need to say that they're going to the fridge to get this water bottle we could just open have a sound effect of opening a fridge and getting the water bottle so you know it was it was like It was that kind of, like, learning of the medium. Okay, so this question comes from Jamie, and he asks, What films and TV shows inspired you to write this story?
1: Well, I got the story handed to me in a way where it approached it approached me. But in this, in the same vein of this question, I do want to say I purposely did not watch any deep sea exploration footage, videos, stories, none of it. I didn't. I didn't want it to taint the writing process of the finishing of it or the elements of what happens underwater. Like I obviously did the research that was required. Mm-hmm but I just kind of trusted that I wasn't copying. Any- we, we weren't copying anyone. Yes, you know what I mean? It's yes. like, I hope not. But if I start watching and going down that rabbit hole, it's going to taint the whole right. experience. Um,
2: well, for me, I, I, like I said earlier, I was inspired by that Instagram photo that literally just had the deep sea diver with, you know, at the bottom of the ocean that said mm-hmm. alone on the caption of it. Um, so that really inspired me. It's so interesting how like a photo can inspire everything or like, yeah. you know, a piece of music or whatever. But, um, um I Once it, we started getting to the thick of writing and stuff, I actually started to watch... Or I watched The Abyss, which was like the 80s iconic movie um just for you know inspiration I know it's very different but like just for inspiration mm-hmm. and just like technical things and then I also watched the show called away on Netflix it's a space show but it still gave me that inspiration of like the crew and the dynamics and things like that and just being you know space and underwater are very similar in a lot of ways yeah. so that kind of gave me the inspiration of creating that but I mean again it was just more just uh it, our show is so unique that it, it didn't really have any kind of impact on it I just wanted mm-hmm. to have some kind of like, yeah,
1: I didn't. I don't remember having like a mood board or anything no. for this one particularly in terms of like, oh, because like usually you in film you'd create like some sort of mood, some sort of tone, and you'd take inspiration right. from like film grabs, pictures, any sort of media content and slap it to like a mood board. But this one was yeah. all in the mind. We've, we we saw it, so We've, it's like, okay, how do we get these? The music was one of the first yeah, things we kind of yeah. got locked down to get like this energy flowing through. I was there. writing um, the
2: script, listening to the music that we were gonna write. So usually it's the opposite. You, you they they score once you know they. Um, the scene's ready but I was actually doing the episode I was writing while listening to the music that we were going to use so I that really helped me a lot and just getting mentally in it I, I saw everything I yes. visualized everything and I think that also helped with everything In the end was if I was able to visualize the scene and I could see everything play out then other people would be able to too as well alright well that's it thank you everybody so thank much for coming much. along on this crazy crazy ride with us we hope you enjoyed the show and keep in touch Follow us on Instagram at nine one one podcasts and on Twitter nine one one underscore podcasts. Um, And my personal Instagram is Adam Murciano M U R C I A N O. Antonio, what's yours?
1: And mine's Antonio's score. So Antonio and score.
2: Stay subscribed because we are going to be posting on this feed for updates on season two and trailers for other shows that we end up doing. So stay connected with us. We'll talk to you
1: guys soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. I truly do mean that from the bottom of my heart.
2: Thank you so much, you guys. Talk soon. Bye.